Hello again, friends and leaders. Welcome back to What Leaders Want. I'm your host, Jay Delling, and it's here that we peel back the proverbial onion on leadership and how it makes the world go around. I'm really excited about our conversation today. It's going to focus on one of the truly outstanding leadership developers and the chief business officer of the Kansas Leadership Center in Wichita, Kansas, Damon Young. Damon, thanks for stopping by to talk about the impact of Kansas Leadership Center and that that it has on leading and to talk about leadership in general. So welcome. Yeah, thanks, Jay. So, uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to, to diving in. Yeah, so, so Damon is an active member of the civic and, and business communities in Kansas. Um, and Damon and I uh, share something in common. Um, we both graduated from Fringe University. Damon's degree is in organizational management and leadership, where he serves on the president's advisory council. He also sits on the board of directors of Lead Wichita's and, and, and is an active member of, of Downtown Rotary. So, so Damon has his hands in a lot of things leadership-wise around Wichita and around Kansas, and I really like that. So, so Damon, the Kansas Leadership Center, right? Uh, it, it spent the last 16 years educating leaders to really seize the moments where their leadership influence empowers others to accomplish amazing things. So, so tell us more about that mission and journey. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So the Kansas Leadership Center was formed out of the Kansas Health Foundation. Uh, so we always like to go back to the origin story of that, which was Wesley Hospital. Uh, Wesley mm -hmm. Hospital was originally a nonprofit Methodist hospital. And when they decided to sell that uh, to a, uh, a health healthcare corporation uh, in the 80s, the proceeds from that transaction became the Kansas Health Foundation. They were working on all things social determinants of health. And the as the 80s turned into the 90s and, and, and turned into the early 2000s, they started getting curious about what if the quality and quantity of leadership, the activity of leadership in communities was as much a social determinant of, of health as other ones like housing or access to food or or any of the number of things we could talk about. And so those folks in the late 90s, early 2000s were really revolutionaries thinking about uh, what would happen if more people led at the grassroots level on the things that mattered most to most Kansans. Uh, so out of that birth, the Kansas Leadership Center, and they gave they gave a sizable grant uh, and a long-term commitment to, to, to support the Leadership Center. And it was formed and started 2006, 2007. And our mission today really is about fostering civic leadership for stronger, healthier, and more prosperous communities in Kansas and beyond. So we think that whether it's the strength or the health or the prosperity of a, of a people or of a region, that's that really starts with people's mindsets and their skill sets and like, what are they doing and not doing uh, closest to the problems that they care most about? Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, how being kind of leadership uh, nerds like you and I are, uh, we there's all kinds of different definitions. Our definition is mobilizing people. Uh, we've had uh, mobilizing people to tackle their toughest challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the origin story 16 uh, years ago was a long-term commitment and how that manifested itself was really 
a couple years of deep listening on what are the challenges that people struggle to make progress on that authority and resources and expertise are still stuck on. Like the Health Foundation could give money and a politician could give a speech and a consultant could come in and make a strategic plan, but yet here we are and the problems persist. And so the Leadership Center spent several years trying to diagnose what's the nature of those types of problems um, and what type of leadership would be required to do something differently. And that led them all over the country. They became good friends with Marty Linsky and Ron Heifetz from Harvard, who have uh, really done a lot of work on adaptive leadership, which we can talk more about later, but adaptive leadership really became the approach that KLC decided to bolt onto. And now um, KLC is probably one of the largest active experiments in the world of mobilizing people, normal, ordinary, everyday people to exercise leadership in their given context. The tens of thousands of Kansans have gone through the program. People from 44 states and 60 countries have interfaced with us in some way. Um, and, and we're trying to help them think about deploying themselves differently, not only as a positional leader, but also who has expertise or authority, but also to use the other tools in the toolbox that that anyone can let you said it right like to see and seize their moment and that those moments come at us fast right like and they come at us and they're not always at the time of our choosing um but we hope that the more people see themselves implicated as quote unquote being a leader then they are able to exercise the verb of leadership so mm -hmm. that's what klc is up to and uh I, I think another thing that's important to know about KLC is they always saw it as a legacy institution. And so we we believe so it's a it is a nonprofit. We have all sorts of different services and things we do, uh, some in the grant space and some in the contracting space um, and some in publishing. Um, but the other thing about KLC that I think is really important is that we see ourselves as a legacy partner to the state. Um, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we, we originally they talked about, you know, a hundred year institution that this is this is something that's going to be in the water um, of KLC of the state um, and, and even the region, because we think that back to that term I said earlier, the quality and quantity of leadership, uh, it's, it starts to become a shared vocabulary amongst the people. And uh, we see that like we see that in the state when we see elected officials and and school teachers and department of correction workers and and uh just ordinary you know citizens using common language uh man it helps it helps seeing and seizing those moments and collaborating that much easier so that's what we're up to at the leadership center and and i'm pleased to be a part of it the last year and a half well you're not going anywhere because you have great influence right and I, I talk to my leadership coaching clients all the time about influence, and it really starts with how we were influenced in our lives, right? Even in our formative years. Ultimately, good leaders pay it forward and influence those who are willing to accept it. But in between those two worlds, Damon, is a very transformative period. It's about getting up every morning and looking in the mirror and saying, can I be influenced by you today? So, Damon, who were your influencers that guided how you influence today? Yeah, a few people come to my mind. Um, 
really my mom is one of them. Um, she, uh, in, in my time of workforce development, uh, which I ran, a cons I've been in construction or development for 25 years before joining Kansas Leadership Center. And um, I did a lot of uh, reading and research about uh, poverty and about upward mobility of people, thinking about it in the workforce development space. And that made me reflect on our own lives, my own life, right? And my own story. Uh, one of the ways you define poverty is a lack of resources. And one of the resources that uh, one expert that I really enjoy talks about is a positive future story. In other words, if we had all of the access to food and to housing and uh, to, to uh, financial education and literacy and the list could go on, but we don't have hope, um, I mean, there's the think about the mental health crisis in our communities today of, of just it, it, it's and it's non-discriminate. I mean, it's it mm -hmm. someone could have all the resources financially in the world. And if they don't have hope, um, what do they have? And I think my mom, she taught me hope. Um, and uh, that was that's something that sometimes I joke like in my front pocket here. Uh, like the pocket doesn't actually end at the bottom of the seam when it comes to hope. Like there's plenty. Uh, it's a it's actually like a magic pocket that that there's there's always more. Um, uh, it's like a magician's trick. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> and like I think hope. When you talk about paying it forward, I actually did this today at a coffee where someone was down on hope, and I said and I said don't forget they described this challenge, and I did this, and I said don't forget to sprinkle a little bit of this on there. And they said, what? And I said, hope. Because without it, you're not going to be able to see around the corner. Have and no you're chance. not, you have, you have no chance. And this was a very smart, educated, talented, heartfelt, caring person that I was talking to. But, but I could sense that they were a little bit in, in sadness or in, in, uh, in despair about this certain topic. And so my mom, like, she gave me that hope uh, rooted in our context of, of faith. And that's a big one. Um, another one was a gentleman named Martin Burry, who was my kind of middle school youth pastor. And he came alongside me and just played basketball with me. Um, mm -hmm. Martin had an amazing story. He was a really great basketball player, played in college, and he was working construction and he was run over by a Mack truck, his legs were were crushed, uh, but it, he, it was it was packed in like uh, in uh, aggregate, and so he kind of sunk a little bit, um, and so he he didn't have to have his legs amputated, but had several surgeries. But then here he was, I met him, and he was probably a thirty five year old man who was you know that was super old you know then, uh, <laughs> so here was this old man. Uh, playing basketball with me with these big braces on his legs and he taught me so much about the game but he also taught me about uh resilience you know and just like he loved it and so he was out there um and i think that i just think about him and then the last two uh that come to my mind are tracy frederick who was my first uh debate and forensics coach uh, in, in college, I didn't do debate or forensics in high school, and I kind of fell into it in college as just a way to pay for school. And she, I think she, I consider her one of my greatest mentors because she helped me find my voice. 
you know, I, I was thoughtful prior to that. I, I was contemplative, uh, but I hadn't found the courage to speak and she helped me find it. And I think that that's a gift I'm always trying to pay forward is, is uh, find your voice. And then, um, and when people are, are timid or scared or, cause you talked, I love what you said earlier about um, when you look in the mirror, like who's that person that's looking back. And I think we all know that that's our worst critic, right? Like uh, even in the, comp- even in the competencies that we te- of our four competencies, one of the four competencies is managed self. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, um, then the last one that came to my mind is Dr. Don Davis. Uh, he runs a thing called the Urban Ministry Institute here in Wichita, and uh, he educates uh, uh, prison chaplains across the world and also uh, uh, urban uh, kind of missionaries in urban context. Um, and, you know, Don, when I reached out to him, didn't have to take the time to meet with me. And uh, probably the third or fourth time that we met, he said, I don't know if you've noticed this, Damon, but every time you ask to meet with me, I say yes. <laughs> and I was like, well, I did notice that. And, and you know, like, um, you can, and then he said, you know, you can ask more often. And then he, he said something to me. He said, Damon, if you were a stock, I'd buy you. <laughs> <laughs> like the belief that he had in me. And this has just been in the last five years that we've become friends and he's been a, a, a mentor in my life. And we haven't spent a ton of time together, but he's a busy guy and he's got a lot going on and he takes the time and he encourages me. And so when people come to me now, now that I've kind of become that in some people's lives, I try to always take the time and and just yeah. and just encourage them and just help them find their voice and just kind of the all those people I just talked about. They're all they're all present with me, right? In a way, when I'm with people, and I try to sprinkle those little messages that others have fed into me into people, um, and that's a big part of my life now. And I'm, it's one reason I'm thankful to be at the leadership center is. I have the time to go encourage other people trying to exercise leadership in all sorts of different contexts. Wow. Well, if if I was coaching you, I would tell you, uh, and you probably do this anyway, um, take those stories and tell those stories to people. Mm-hmm. It makes such an impact. People love stories. So I I I love those stories, Damon. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. So yeah. we we both agree leadership is is so important. But it can be hard to achieve on one's own, right? So what are your thoughts about this idea of personal transformation and and leadership and and what that journey looks like? Yeah. um, Say more about zone. When you say when you say in in one zone, uh, talk to me just a little bit more about uh, what you mean when you say that word. Well, one's own. Oh, one's own. Yeah, yeah. I should have separated those two words better. So in other words, yeah, right, yeah. Le- leadership, I, I suppose it can be done on, on, on its own, but um, this idea, I love your idea of personal transformative leadership. So talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, to to draw out one of the leadership center's comp- or, uh, principles, uh, we say leadership starts with you, comma, and must engage mm-hmm. others. Um. Uh, and so that this this idea that it's uh, those two things are kind of they're kind of coupled together they're kind of locked in together that 
if you think it's all about mobilizing others and you're not going to be implicated, that you're not going to have to do work, uh, that transformational leadership isn't going to be a thing that you're going to be doing. In other words, it starts to to probably frame in your mind as something that you do to others <laughs> instead of something that's happening mm-hmm. to you through you and it implicates you. And hopefully if it's a, one of our other principles is that it's about our toughest challenges. So so if it starts with me and it must engage others and it's about a tough challenge, well, then that's going to implicate lots of people. I think we, we might talk more about kind of coalition building in a little bit, but the, the so that's one move is to go engage with those others. But I don't think you can do that work well unless you do start with you. And so ways that that's happened for me is really first dealing with all the negative self-talk, you know, the, the, the negative self-talk uh, will crush us. Uh, I remember one point, uh, this is probably 10 years ago, I kind of noticed um, through a mentor coach poking at me a little bit um, that I was vice or or like a second in command in like a bunch of different settings. And they started to challenge me on that about like, why is that? Like, um, you're pretty persuasive and uh, talented guy, like you could probably be the head of lots of things, you know, like what, why are you second in all these different settings? And, and I started to consider that and I, and it led me to a bunch of work over the next few years, uh, through, through coaching and through some counseling about some insecurities I had about taking risk and about, um, not dealing with some of my own leadership failures earlier on in my life about how I had, in my mind, I had led people maybe down a bad path or or maybe sometimes that I was immature and too vocal and I had burnt some bridges or, may, you know, just all the things that we could do uh, in error when we have a lot of zeal and zest, um, but not as much wisdom. Um, some of those things that started to influence the things I said yes to and how I deployed myself. And there was a big shift in my life to realize that that work of personal leadership transformation was the first work at hand. And I had it, I had to dedicate myself to it the same way that you would say between now and like you might set a goal, like in the next 10 years, I'm going to go from here to there. You might do that in your business or even with your health, or even as a community, we do that when we dream together. But do we do that work personally? And I started to dive in and do that work personally about about 10 years ago. And uh, it changed my life, obviously. And uh, but what what I noticed was that when people were doing, whether it be in a in a, a really closed system like a workplace uh, with clear hierarchy and authority, or whether it be on a civic challenge where authority and hierarchy are not clear, the co- a common thread is the inner work that people need to do uh, to be gracious, to be humble, to be collaborative, to be curious. Uh, many people, many of us don't do it because it's hard. Yes. <laughs> it's heavy lifting. It's heavy lifting. <laughs> and, and a lot of it, you know, 
like it's not for us to work out in a public meeting. It's 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 in a coaching context. It's in a counseling context. It's in it's in a small group context. Um, and we got to practice at it and we're going to make mistakes. And and so, yeah, personal transformation or personal or transformational leadership, starting with you and then rippling out is something that is uh, a big, big part of my life. And I I think I say it in a few different things I'm involved in, but I think it's. Well, think about the KLC mission, right? Stronger, healthier, more prosperous communities. Okay, well, let's flip that for a second. Individuals who are stronger, healthier, and more prosperous <laughs> are going to be the people that are going to be on the teams that are going to go do those things in those communities. So in my mind, you can't really have one without the other. Um, all of these big strategic plans that we dream about as a state, as a region, as cities, um, even in our own businesses or homes, we got to start in. We got to start with that inner work um, and that interpersonal work um, unto these bigger challenges we want to tackle. Well, it's amazing how we evolve. Thank you for 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 sharing that. So now we're at the point in the show where we get to know Damon Young. Right. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to ask a question or ask you to pick between two things. Damon, there's no points awarded, no prizes earned. So you get nothing. Are you ready? No, yes. All right. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Larry Bird. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Walt Whitman. Or John Grisham? Walt Whitman. Love that. What's the current or last book you read? Um, I'm reading um, currently The Coddling of the American Mind um, by Jonathan Haidt. Love that. All right. Would you rather attend an NFL, Major League Baseball, or NBA game? NBA. Would you rather have a walk through Central Park in New York or a walk along a beach in Maui? Uh, Central Park. Okay. What's your favorite movie of all time? Shawshank Redemption. Mine too. <laughs> I right. love that movie. I could watch it every day. Every day. What was your, yeah, what was your, I love the end of it. The end of it was just amazing. What was your first music concert? My first was probably like a bad <laughs> Christian heavy metal. <laughs> My sisters were super into in the eighties, like striper and uh, and and Christian <laughs> like rock music, and I got drug along to lots of of those. Boy, those are worlds colliding, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now my wife and I, we love concerts and we go to all, I, I particularly love outdoor concerts and uh, mm -hmm. versus like indoor stadium concerts. Love, I love live it. venues. Yeah. 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 Love that. All right. Dinner for four, you and three other people living or deceased. Who are your three dinner guests? Oh, wow. I wish I would have had time to think about this one. I suppose that's oh, this the point one. There, I'm, right? Yeah, this one's totally <laughs> off, the, off the cuff. Um, okay. Well, I'm not going to say Jesus uh, because I would love to eat with Jesus, but I, I, I think 
uh, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to invite Jesus, uh, which now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You built him up and now he's waiting for the call. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, no, uh, three dinner guests. Um, I mean, Martin Luther King for sure. Mm. Um, I love his writing. Um, he has a book of essays that's been very informative in my life called uh, uh, Strength to Love. Um, that is just a central part of my philosophy. Um, um, and now I'm on it. Now I'm on this kick of, of people who are fighting for freedom for others. So I'm going to go. Love with, it. Um, I think I'm going to go with Nelson Mandela. Wow. Um, Love that. And then I'm going to invite. Um, I'm going to invite my wife. Yeah, let her in. Well, I'd love to be the fly on the wall on, on that <laughs> dinner. All right. Like I said, you win nothing, no prizes. But but thanks for, for sharing a, a little bit of uh, yeah. who you are. Yeah. So. All right, back to the ranch. Every every conversation I have on what leaders want, I include the topic, what is my most impactful leadership moment? So tell us about that moment. Yeah, and I'm going to try to cheat and, to, and give you two, and we'll see how that goes. I'll be brief. I thought about this leadership, most impactful leadership moment to me um, and then kind of through me. The one that happened to me um, Long story short, it's when I was in uh, landscape construction and without going into the details, I was working really late in the middle of the night and I destroyed something. Um, and there was gonna be ramifications. Oh. <laughs> uh, Rub shaggy. Exactly. And, um, and I was I was managing a store called the Sod Shop uh, that's mm. now it's still there over on North Hillside. And Ted and Tony Wilbur were the owners and Ted was yeah. the active. Uh, uh, I play golf uh, with Ted, by the way. Oh, Ted's great. And yeah. uh, so I go the next morning. I text Ted and say, hey, I need to talk to you in the morning. Uh, ran into a situation here last night. Uh, and so we meet up early in the morning and I tell him what happened. And he just looked at me and he said, well, Damon, if you were sitting at home on the couch, that probably wouldn't happen. And, it's like, and I was like, I mean, it took like my computer and my brain was like trying to process what he was saying. And uh, and I and. Uh, and then he said, well, just let me know what we need to do. And thanks for working hard and late last night. Mm -hmm. And it was like it just freed me up. And as I reflected up on reflected on that over the years, Ted's not a Ted's not going to go give a speech and persuade a thousand people. You know, he's a humble, soft spoken guy. Mm -hmm. um, but but that moment, you know, we teach leadership is risky. Um, he just taught me in that moment that it's OK to take risk. And um, that's part of it. It's just part of it. And uh, so I've that that moment has meant more and more to me as the years go by. And uh, so that's that's something that I try to use and pay that for to happen to me. I think through me, I have a ton of stories about. When I think about the most impactful leadership moment, probably the first time 
that I leaned into the purpose of the thing we were doing and some dysfunction of the team. And I elevated the purpose over the team. And because I had a moral narrative built in my life for years that that the team was the most important thing, like keep the team together, build, you know, keep the community together. That's the most important thing. And it and it was probably 15 years ago, maybe 17 years ago that I had a series of experiences where I started to see sometimes uh, I had a mentor tell me one time there's times of gathering and there's times of scattering and there it was time to scatter and mm-hmm. i was holding on so hard um and then and and then some moves happened where where i elevated the purpose um then things scattered and guess what it was okay and it was healthy for everyone and and we could be clear on on the thing we were working on and and the courage to do that and because as leaders like right we we all have the ego need to be liked um and sometimes it's like and I, not that i'm great at this now but i think i've gotten better over the last 15 years of, of saying you know what i may not be liked but i'm going to be clear and ultimately that will be good and the people that are going to come are going to come and the people who aren't that's okay i can bless them and honor them by being clear and uh yeah, so that that lesson that speaking from the heart to the heart, speaking to the loss that's going to be real with it, not candy coating it, but then holding to purpose about whatever the thing of the mission that you're on on that at that time. That's changed the way I lead. Wow, it, I tell people all the time it takes character, skill, and courage to be a leader, and that you, you just you just address that. There's a couple couple more questions I'd love to ask, but just from from a time perspective, I'm going to ask this one last question. I always like to hear the answer to this one. All right. So what leadership advice would today's Damon Young give to the Damon Young 20 years ago? I think less is more. I think I think I would tell young Damon don't lose the boldness. Don't lose the fire. Um, but do do one do one thing, not ten. You know, like do do one thing and recognize it's going to take a long time. Like, and actually, we teach in adaptive leadership now. Like, I didn't know about adaptive leadership back then, but we actually say if it's about one of the most important things, you actually will never be done. Uh, that's what we don't celebrate success or completion. We celebrate progress and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, young Damon didn't know that. Uh, young Damon was like, when are we going to be done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we want to transform Wichita and we want to tra- transform the civic life. We're probably going to get that done in uh, what? Year or two? You know, and it's like, <laughs> no, we're never going to be done. Uh, yeah. young, Dam- young Damon didn't know that. And I and it, and it put a it put a put a spur in my boot that that probably caused me to make some stupid mistakes. <laughs> That's funny. But it, that, that is, you know, you just influenced how many how many Damon Youngs are out there of you 20 years ago that yeah. 
probably going to listen to this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing that story. So Damon, I'd love to just continue this conversation. I I have a feeling we, we will, um, off the air over time, or at least I hope so, but thanks for your time today. It was so insightful sharing your thoughts about leadership. Um, I really appreciate that. So friends, that's a wrap. We're going to put a bow on this episode of what leaders want until we meet again. Remember if your actions inspire others, To dream more, learn more, do more, become more, you are leaders. Bye now.